number three starring Vanessa Hudgens. The Princess Hudgens. Switch, okay. The, the Princess sw- Switch. The Switchening. Like, I don't know. Yeah. The Switchening. I didn't watch that. <laughs> it's M. Night Shyamalan writing The Princess Switch. The Princess Switchening colon The Scissoring. <laughs> the Scissoring. Ayo. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of We Explain Movies. I'm Kimmy. I'm Kayleen. And I'm Courtney. And this is the podcast where three best friends explain, rate slash review, and decide whether or not to see the latest and greatest or most beloved classics of film. This means each week, two or one of us will explain a movie to the other two or one of us in its entirety. Since this is a center for spoilers, if you haven't seen this week's movie, tune out and tune back in once you have. For other spoiler timestamps, check out our Instagram and Twitter at We Explain Movies. Here's how it's going to go. We're going to start off with what we watched this week, move into some movie-related questions, followed by the explanation, and then we're going to close out with our watchlist ads and recommendations. You're listening to We Explain Movies. Okay. The pod has begun. (laughs) Leave that in. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kimmy, want to tell the listeners what we're doing? What up, listeners? We are... (laughs) Coming in at you. I'm feeling giggly today. We are doing the plot of the movie Moon, starring Sam Rockwell. There's like a si- Stan Rockwell. I think there was like a silent T in there for some reason. Uh, uh, Sam Stockwell, and um, we're gonna tell it to Courtney. I'm gonna do it to Courtney, like we're I said do last her. week. Yeah. Moon. Do her. <laughs> Sorry. Well, now it's changed. Now it's different. Did you guys hear about that story where that guy stole those moon rocks and then he put them on his bed and then he fucked his girlfriend on them because he I'm wanted sorry. to be the only person to have sex on the moon? What? The oh fuck? my god, that's not. Is that real? Yes, I read the whole book about it. It's called Sex on the Moon. <laughs> that's what it's called. <laughs> title of this episode sex on the moon <laughs> yeah. yeah that's wow. amazing wow he got caught <laughs> <laughs> by by his girlfriend no by the well, fbi <laughs> of course his girlfriend knew she was there fucking him so she was in on it she was in on it yeah they got the moon rocks back but not after the two had rubbed their butts all over <laughs> <laughs> don't put that in my butt <laughs> Those moon rocks aren't going in my butt. If, They're if not we can for insert your butt. like something like Fifty Shades of Grey and butt like referenced in every episode, I think that that's okay. I mean, are we gonna see Sam's butt later? Ayo. I mean, <laughs> spoilers. Whoa. Predictions are not yet, Courtney. Well, what did you watch this week? We were all separate, but we watched some stuff together technically we did we did to be honest like you guys motivate me to watch a lot of the same things that you watch when (laughs) i just see it on your letterbox i'm like no fair they watched it we're talking about run starring sarah polson and kira allen and happy season starring kristen stewart and aubrey plaza (laughs) (laughs) Plaza. (laughs) that's the accurate way to say it (laughs) um i i absolutely loved happiest season like, I've watched it three times since, and I got up super early the day it came out to watch it, and I understand the problems with it, and I very much am aware of the issues within the character of Harper. However, mm-hmm. we don't have a gay Christmas rom-com, and I don't even like Christmas rom-coms, but I like this one. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I, I'm just so happy, and it's written and directed by a lesbian woman herself based upon experiences she says that she has experienced. And uh, did you guys know that the other writer is Jane? <laughs> and everyone loves the character of Jane. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. Yeah, the other writer is Mary Holland. She, she co-wrote it. And 
I just think it's charming. I, I laugh during it. I love Abby and I love Riley. Like, oh my mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Endgame. They were supposed to be Endgame. <laughs> they were supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it with my sister and I just couldn't stop like giggling like a little schoolgirl at the oh beginning. Like every time that they kiss, I'm like, yes, let them do what they want to do. I think it's remarkable that we don't, that it's been so long to have this. What the heck? Christmas mm-hmm. happens every year. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And there's so many, I mean, I know it's become like the fun thing to watch like cheesy or bad Christmas movies, but there's just so many garbage ones out there that this is like way more worth watching yeah, than like, I don't need, most like, of the stuff that's made. Like, I don't need that. How many more ugh, heterosexual, stupid, rom-com <laughs> Christmas movies do we need? Like, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm for this yeah and like i know what you mean like i not everything about it is a hundred yeah but i still thought it was enjoyable and definitely like the christmas mood Mm -hmm. i definitely had obviously issues with harper that's her name right yeah Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like i guess uh, this is a little spoilery so spoiler alert for happiest season i guess what bothered me the most about it is that they got together because i think it's totally valid to have like why not write a lesbian who's like why can't we write a lesbian who also has character flaws? Yeah. You know, so I'm not I'm not mad that they wrote her with flaws, but I was like she was also just like a bad friend. Like yeah. even if they were just friends and she brought her as a roommate, like you're a shitty friend and you have some shit to figure out like about yourself before you should really be with Kristen Stewart. I mean, I know they had to wrap up the movie, but I wish that there was like, you know, some growth before they got back together, but instead it was like I chased you to the gas station. Is that enough? She's exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that it's it's not enough. And a big thing that I think people need to realize too is it's not that we're mad Harper is still in the closet and having a hard time coming out to her family. Right. It's that she lied. Mm-hmm. And to tell Abby like minutes away from her their house in the car totally. and then getting out of the car, shove Abby back in the closet. Like it's right. just not fair. And that's that's wherein the flaws are. Mm-hmm. But to to end like the conversation on a happier Happier note. The happiest <laughs> note. Hulu saw like an exponential increase in memberships and usership, Ooh. and it is now the highest downloaded Hulu property. Wow. That like so many people watched it. It became like a, just a massive success for Hulu, and I'm really happy for them. <sighs> Let's go lesbians. Not Hulu themselves. <laughs> like they're corporate. I'm happy for Clea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. To move on to the next one, I hope people are watching Run. I really enjoyed Run. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Run. The reason why I liked it less than Happiest Season, yeah, I thought it was pretty, like, predictable. I knew it was going to happen, but I was still, like, riveted. Mm, yeah. I still wanted to see how things ended up, so that was really cool. I felt like even those parts of it were predictable. They still did a really good job, in my opinion, of, of steering away from tropes. Mm-hmm. Like, one of my favorite parts is, again, I'm getting into spoilers, but when Tom, the mailman, is helping her out... There were multiple opportunities for him to be like, you're right, you're the mom, you know best. Yeah, absolutely. And in any other horror movie, that would have happened, and we as an audience would have been like, no, but it doesn't. And also, they didn't make her shoot him, which would be kind of ridiculous. They made her, like, do something clever to get him Yeah, I definitely thought she was going for the gun. Oh, yeah, I thought she was, too. I mean, later, I think it's implied that she shoots him. (laughs) Yeah, she does some kind of, like, blunt force trauma or something. Right, yeah. (laughs) Maybe she just shoots him when, like, they're at home, so she's not leaving blood everywhere. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was twisty, and um, even down to just things that Chloe was doing. Spoilers, I did did not think that she was going to drink poison to 
get herself into yeah. the hospital. That was clever. Mm-hmm. And then to not be spoilery, I loved the the ending. Um, it's fucked up. I liked it, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did, too. I would say up until the last five seconds, I was like, fuck this ending scene. Not a fan. And then that little, like, last bit, I was like, mm, that's good. No, I like <laughs> that's that. That's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that satisfies me. Agreed. Especially because I was like, I'm sorry. Within the past seven years, you exactly. turned into this ugly-ass <laughs> mom. You're wearing exactly. sweaters, and your hair looks like that. You have a husband, a child, and a mm-hmm. medical degree. I'm like, <laughs> it's yeah. been seven years. You are 24 or 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't shame me like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah. little... I hated her ending look. That was bad. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... Super shout out to Kira J. Allen. She's actually a wheelchair user. And I thought that was mm-hmm. so cool to have her cast in that. Yeah, I don't know if, cool. if you guys read any of the press surrounding her being involved in this movie as a wheelchair user. But the press talks about her in a very respectful and progressive way. Awesome. They just talk about her accomplishments as an actor. And I think mm-hmm. that that is such a great road to be paving right, right now for people just like her in this industry. Just She's an actor. That's all we need to know. And there is nothing that she couldn't do to make a good performance. Like, there's no reason why other wheelchair users shouldn't be cast and stuff, too. I want to see her in more. I thought she was a a phenomenal actress, especially, like, holding her own against Sarah Paulson. Like, Sarah Paulson's such a darling to people. Everyone loves her, and I do, too. And it's like, her her acting is always commendable. And so Mm -hmm. that was really cool to see a newcomer doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what did we watch, sadly, separately? Separately, separately. I guess I could go. Sure. I watched another Christmas movie since we were talking about Happiest Season. It's called Fat Man. That is one word. And it was not my choice, but, you know, it happened. And <laughs> Is it old it's, or new? It's very new. It's like, very it, new. like, just came out. Okay. And it, I think it's in theaters right now. And is Mel Gibson. Robert De Niro? Oh, about you. Mel, Mel, Mel Gibson. Whoa, what? Mel Gibson stars as Fat Man. Yes. Oh, his character's name is Fat Man. Well, no, but they say Fat Man like that. <laughs> <laughs> and by they, I mean Walton Goggins says Fat Man. I like hate that. all of this. <laughs> I don't know if I want you to say anymore about this. This sounds like my nightmare. <laughs> Like a fever dream nightmare. (laughs) Yikes. It's about this little kid who is like a fucking psychopath and like hires a hitman to torture people so that he wins at the science fair. (laughs) And then he's like, doesn't get what he wants. He gets a lump of coal for Christmas because he's a fucking psychopath. And then Walton Goggins, who's the hitman, he's like, I got a lump of coal. I want you to kill Santa. And Walton Goggins has like, this really emotional backstory with Santa where, like, he had, like, really fucked up parents. Anyway, like, Santa didn't give him what he wanted, which was, like, better parents or something like that. It was kind of sad. And Santa's like, I couldn't give you what what you wanted. But then he's like, I'm gonna kill you, Santa! And so Walton Goggins goes and tries to kill Santa in the North Pole. Oh, my God. Yep. Also, uh, Mrs. Claus is a black woman. Then they're just they're just married. They're also like young and fit. Like he calls him Batman, <laughs> but he's not that fat. <laughs> they're like buff, and and I believe. Uh, well, I don't spoilers for Fat Man. Mrs. Claus saves the day, kind of at the end. So that's good. Sick. Good for her. 
It was ridiculous, but, like, I still was kind of bored. But, hey, I think some people would like the ridiculousness of it. And then the other thing that I watched is also kind of new. Well, 2020 movie. I watched The Rental. Mm-hmm. And there was, like, good stuff about The Rental, but overall it was extremely disappointing. Aww. It was only, it was under 90 minutes, which we were, like, awesome. But then it ended up, like, when it was over, we felt like we needed 20 more minutes because... They set up all these things that they didn't execute, and it wasn't in, like, an artistic way. It was, like, a they didn't think of anything to do. Like, there was no explanation to why this is happening. Like, the only character I cared about was Alison Brie, and that was only when she started taking drugs that she was interesting. Um, (laughs) So, well, it's, like, it's this starts to get to the climax of the movie, and she's the only one on drugs, and she's, like, really funny. But in the rest of the movie, I thought she was boring, but she's, like, the only nice person. So, it was a letdown. I don't know if I would recommend that. Uh, So, first I watched Uncle Frank, which is something that I added to my watch list a while ago and I did watch it pretty mm-hmm. pretty soon after adding it so that's pretty cool. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lovely story. I don't think it was for me because mm-hmm. a lot of the reviews that I read people who resonated with it the most are people who went through that experience themselves personally and luckily that's something that I have never and will never need to experience and um, coming out to their families, especially during the seventies. Yeah. Luckily, it's a it's a sweet ending, and I I really do love Paul Bettany. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just just did think that it was a bit short, and they kind of went into like some really deep stuff in a really shallow way. Not shallow in a vain way. Shallow as in there wasn't enough time to delve into these really right. deep stuff and deep yeah. stories, and they kind of like passed it off with like cheap flashback scenes Mm -hmm. so I felt like some of the emotional payoff wasn't really earned I feel like I'm running into the same problems with a lot of the movies that I'm watching you're watching very indie shit I'm watching very indie shit that needed a little bit more reworking you know and Mm -hmm. but I'm glad that it came out I'm glad I watched it it was an enjoyable time then um with my sister I watched love actually (laughs) (laughs) I'd never seen it before my family, as Jews, never really had Christmas traditional movies that we watched annually. And it was not what I expected it to be. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hated it. I don't you know. You hated actually? <laughs> I, I actually, actually hated it. <laughs> I think that was like six of the letterbox was <laughs> hate actually. It was like <laughs> shitty actually. <laughs> That's funny. There was one, um, my sister and I, after we watched it, we quietly, like, went into my room and, like, read all of these letterbox reviews <laughs> and, like, cried laughing. And one of them was, like, after 12 years of successfully avoiding watching this movie, I finally did it. I finally watched this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> and my thoughts exactly. If there's somebody out there who likes Love Actually, Whoa, you know, Kimmy. She's about to come for some people. I know, think you're going to get hate from, like, Nick. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, please enlighten me. Oh I God. don't understand. I don't <gasps> understand. What was it <laughs> you said about, like, you said about, like, way early on, I think about 10 Things I Hate About You, you said something, like, so mean about people that like it. Oh, you're like, I'm sorry that you don't have taste if you like 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it really like with a lot of conviction too you did. Not, not like as a joke yeah that's so funny yeah i hated it i felt like it was a waste of my time i'm really disappointed and like what is this fucking movie about please head to my letterbox review because i think i explain it pretty accurately um fuck that movie okay next the last thing that i need to talk about is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you've been listening continuously, I have been slowly and steadily re-watching the series. And I'm happy to report that I have finished all seven seasons. Nice. So this is my call out to <laughs> Nick and Jordan at Take 3, a movie podcast. I fucking did it. I watched the OA like you said that I should. <laughs> and I finished Buffy like I said that I would. So now it's time. It's time for you to fulfill your end of the bargain. I'm ready. But yeah, I'm super happy that I did it. I feel super accomplished. You should. Alrighty, to close out what we watched this week, I got a couple things to share with y'all. I watched Sound of Metal with Daniel. Mm. So it just came out. It's starring Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook, and I loved it. It is about a heavy metal drummer who very quickly into the story loses all of his hearing. And now is a deaf man trying to navigate life that way. There was a lot more to it having to do with pretty much his underlying struggle with addiction and his relationship mm-hmm. with Olivia Cook. Um, something that I really enjoyed and that I got to be like sneaky and feel really proud of myself is he is deaf and newly deaf at the beginning of the story. And he goes to this center for deaf addicts and he doesn't speak the language so they're all signing and there's no subtitles and I got to understand everything they were saying that's so fucking cool cool. yeah I was like really proud of myself because my ASL is super rusty but I I got everything that they were saying and I even laughed at one of their jokes and then I was like oh haha but you Mm -hmm. don't get to because you're not you, you don't know the language yet. Like, you're I, in his shoes. I also shoes. like that choice, yeah, to not tell you until he knows. And then when he does start to learn, only certain words come up on the screen because it's like Whoa. he's acquiring only little bits of it. And I thought that That's was just, cool. like, a wonderful addition. I thought it was beautifully shot, really nice aesthetics throughout it, and there's... There's just stuff that happens in the story that you wouldn't expect. And and kind of like knowing a bit more about deaf culture, I kind of saw a lot of stuff coming. And then I was like, oh, no, oh, no. And then stuff happens. And I'm not going to spoil anything because you two need to watch it. It's really good. And I'm definitely I'm excited. watching yeah. it. Yeah. It's free How on Amazon. You, where, oh, it's free on Amazon? It's Whoa. an Amazon original. Holy smokes. Yeah. I didn't know that. Free, free, free. Wow. <laughs> okay. I thought I had to pay. I'm excited. No. So go check it out. Cool. And then um, another free original is I watch Netflix Mank. <laughs> Mank. Oh my gosh. Hyman Mankiewicz. <laughs> yeah. I'm honestly, I saw your reviews and I'm just so happy that it turned out that way. Yeah. Yes. So I think upon, I gave it five stars, which is a lot. It's as high as it can go. <laughs> and I think if I were to, to watch it again, and I almost even changed it like the night of to a four and a half, and then maybe watching it again, it would go down to a four. However, it has been six years since David gave us something. And this was such a passion project with a script written by his father yes about old hollywood and just a huge tribute to that era and to so mm-hmm. many different things like to to biopics it was just really cool that was cool i loved it and i'm not like in love with any of the characters the way that i feel about most david movies like you know everyone loves amy or you love lisbeth you just get really enraptured in these people's lives and you love it and I don't feel that way about Mank I wasn't even super rooting for 
Gary Oldman, but it, but it still was really cool to watch, and it was mm-hmm. such a mood and an aesthetic being shot in black and white. They distort the audio so it sounds like an old movie. Ooh, cool. And our dear friend from college, Shelby, is in it. No what? way! <laughs> She's an extra. Did you just see that, or did you see that on like her Instagram? She she posted on Instagram. Uh, Holy Mank fuck. is out now. Don't blink. And then me and Daniel were watching for her, and we found her, and we were like, ah. That's so, cool. That's so cool. And we, we made her a little video of us reacting to her Aww. being on screen. She has a very old Hollywood look about her. She does. And she was playing um, a costume designer. So she's like wearing wow. like a costume thing. And she's, she's oh. it's funny, she's an extra making up extras in the, oh, <laughs> like in the movie. Good movie. Good shit. I would like to Sweet. watch it again maybe like in a month. Okay, so getting into questions. Coolio, what's the first question? The first question is, what is your favorite movie set in space? Ooh. For my honorable mention, I pick The Last Jedi. I think it's dope as hell. I know people have issues with it, but screw them. But screw them. But screw (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love Rey and Kylo's relationship in that one. I think it's super dope. My sister thinks it's super dope. That's the one word that she uttered when we saw it in theaters that Christmas. She said, I remember you saying that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, love it. Um, But my true answer is Interstellar. It's got my queen, Jessica, in it. I can't help but cry when I watch it. When I saw it in theaters, I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. (laughs) I legitimately, and you guys know I'm not a huge fan of space. Yeah, space isn't a winner for me. It's a good movie to watch in theaters. It is, it is. And imagine it being like the first time that you ever saw it. You're like Now like the kind of impressive nature of it has waned for me. Now it's just mm. more of like a intellectual and philosophical type of movie. But I was like gripping the chair, dude, in the <laughs> theater. Like, what the fuck? I could, what, what is this? Like another dimension? I don't understand. Yeah. I was, like, not having a good time. It has a special place in my heart, and I really have enjoyed hearing, like, Daniel talk about it on his podcast and kind of, like, you know, the issues with it, which I understand, but I don't know. I can't not really enjoy it. So Mm -hmm. those are my answers. Okay, I guess I get to go next. (laughs) (laughs) My honorable mention is... Marvel movies, but I'm going to go specifically with Infinity War. Yes. Because I love that shot of a moon being thrown. (laughs) And it's just such high stakes to end that with people being stranded in space. That's Mm -hmm. so intense to have them be stuck there. Yeah. We go to a lot of places in that one. I mean, I guess... We do go to some other places, but in the other one... No, we go to the same places. I love when they go to Nidavellir. Um, yeah. I love when they go to Vormir. I like when they're showing places mm-hmm. and then it just says space. I love that. That's hysterical. And that's yeah. for, like, the Guardians. They're like, this mm-hmm. is what these motherfuckers are up to. Yeah. So that's what I like. Uh, my second honorable mention is a movie I've only seen one time, but I think it is a lot like how Kimmy feels about Interstellar, just where you're gripping the seat. And in my case, I was gripping like a pillow in my living room and just quietly muttering what the fuck as I was watching Sunshine, mm. the Danny Boyle movie. That was intense. And that is just a level of space I don't want to know about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really good. It's like a super awesome cast of people, too, with Killian Murphy in, like, the leading role. Ooh. Lots of people, too. Love. Yes. 
I know. <laughs> so, super sexy. My real answer is The Last Jedi. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. I didn't know you were going to say that. It's the best Star Wars movie. I love it. Whoa. I've seen it so many times. Yes, I said what I said. <laughs> and I think it's got some really great shots of space, particularly the light speed jump and what ensues afterwards you know what i'm talking about that one mm-hmm. shot after yeah yeah lieutenant holdo does what she does i think that's yeah. just so sick and it's beautiful to look at and then at the same time we've got like ray looking out snoke's ship and seeing all this stuff go to hell and i really like it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i like that it's fake space i don't have to deal mm-hmm. with it and the repercussions of fear <laughs> yeah. yeah it's all <laughs> fictional it's no sunshine yes that's my answer. Well, um, you guys definitely touched on many of the ones that I was hoping you would, so I will not say them. Um, those are all great choices. Um, one of my honorable mentions is Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. Yeah. Watched that so much as a kid. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> One of the best Kayleen. decoms. And um, I didn't mean for this to be my answer. Like, I didn't really, th- it wasn't the first thing to come to mind. But hey. Galaxy Quest, I think, is my real answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> uh, we watched that recently, and I really liked it. And then I was like, wow, Sam is also in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I guess he just mm. owns space movies. So so our next question is, what's your favorite Sam Rockwell movie? Guess I'm going first, since Kimmy was slutty the last time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I definitely am not original in this answer, because we've all seen Kayleen's letterboxed list. Um, but my, my choice is The Green Mile. I love The Green Mile so much. And Snaps. His character is so reprehensible in that movie, and mm-hmm. I don't like the movie for him at all, but he's there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, I, I don't know, like, are we going based on overall movie or based on That's performance? What, I don't know what I to did, do. Yeah, based on, like, how we worded the question, I definitely picked my favorite movie rather oh, than, fine. like, him okay. specifically. Yeah. I mean, also, like, the thing with The Green Mile is, although it's not like I'm I'm dying for him because he's, you know, the worst part of the movie, he still does a great job. He does do you know? a great job. So, I think he does a great job in that movie, but that's all of ours, one of our favorite Stephen King adaptations. Mm -hmm. I think it's a phenomenal movie. I think that it is one of Frank Darabont's best, and he does Stephen Mm -hmm. King so well. And it holds up unbelievably. Like, that movie's been out over 20 years, and it's still the greatest thing under the sun. I I do want to, like, give a tiny honorable mention, but I don't want to, like, step on anyone's toes and just say, like, I have other Sam Rockwell movies that I love. I love them for his performances, and it's so hard, though, because he so often plays a horrible (laughs) racist (laughs) or a literal Nazi. And so I'm like, I love love your performance in those, Sam, and it's really hard. (laughs) I don't want to go out on a limb and say those are my favorites. It is very, like, he's either playing, like, someone horrible or just, like, your goofy uncle. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, he really, it's a fine line he's walking. Kimmy, what's yours? An honorable mention is Fosse Verdon, because, you know, it's a miniseries. But, damn, his performance is just so good in that. I mean, Mm -hmm. and Michelle Williams, too. Don't get me wrong. They have great chemistry. A great piece. Yeah. Um, but my true answer is Seven Psychopaths. Nice. Yeah, you love that one. 
I love that movie. Like, and I I know I've said it before, but Kayleen was like, you have to watch this. And I was like, ugh, I don't know. <laughs> Is often I t- hate Mark and McDonough, and I hate <laughs> Sam Rockwell. I just didn't expect to be so blown away. And I was like, why the fuck has it taken me so long to watch this incredible <laughs> meta fucking movie? Mm-hmm. And, and I thought it was dope. Go watch it if you haven't. Seriously, you won't do, be disappointed. Well, um, similarly to you, since The Green Mile was taken, my next favorite Sam Rockwell movie is Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, mm. uh, which is also Martin McDonough. Those two can just work on projects forever. I know we've said that before, but Dude, really good combo. Dude, he would be such a good Katurian. He would. That's like all I could think. He would be an amazing <laughs> Katurian. Damn, I would love to so see good. him and Colin Farrell in The Pillow Man. I don't know who Colin would be, but he could I would like for somewhere. Colin to play Michael. Oh, damn, you guys, stop him. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Don't. Wait, say it. Say it on the podcast, honestly, because if yes. our podcast has any power, it'll Your be powers. Did you guys hear that in 2021, they're going to start casting the Pillow Man? And I believe that Sam Rockwell has already been slated along with Colin Farrell. No way. <laughs> yeah. No way. David Tennant hmm. might pop in there. I'm not sure. Oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, Three Billboards I love. We've definitely talked about that on the pod before. And then I just kind of want to give little shout-outs. So on my letterbox, I have The Green Mile, Three Billboards, The Way, Way Back, Seven Psychopaths, and Jojo Rabbit as my five favorite Sam movies of all time. Recommend all those. And Fosse Verdon, Totally Kimmy, I agree, is amazing. All right. Before we get into Moon, Courtney, what are your predictions? I wish you guys could have seen my face when I watched the trailer and he finds the second Aww. Sam Rockwell. <laughs> my face, I was like, <laughs> I did not like that. That was terrifying. Um, something interesting that like clicked for me at the end. Um, this is directed by Duncan Jones. Yes, do you know who that yeah, is? Yeah, he directed Source Code. But do you know who else he is? Maybe, I don't know. His dad is famous. Doug Jones? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. His his middle name is Zoe, spelled Z-O-W-I-E. Oh, David Bowie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David Bowie's his dad? What a funky, funky time yeah. he's having. I know. But in source code, like, the idea is that there's, like, not a whole bunch of Jake Gyllenhaals, but it's like they keep putting Jake Gyllenhaal through the same thing over and over again to try mm. and yield new results. And I'm wondering if that's mm-hmm. what this is. <laughs> but this mm-hmm. is like his indie version. <laughs> that's lower budget <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. That's a fair place to start. So you guys said something about we got to go to moon to go to the moon to save Earth. And he's been on a contract to be there for three years. And when it's like nearing the end of his time, he says to his robot, we only have two weeks left. And then within that time, he's doing his moon chores. And <laughs> <laughs> Discovered. Hold on, I gotta edit my notes to include moon chores as the proper <laughs> <I know>. vocabulary. <laughs> just, I love that term. <laughs> discovers like some sort of a hatch with an old Sam Rockwell in it. <laughs> and so he's been there before, one of those types of situations, and he doesn't know it. I don't know if they interact with each other. I don't feel like I saw that. Instead, I saw him pointing and being like, who was that? But they must. Mm. Or maybe we get some time jumps where it's like we go back to the first mission and now we're in like the 10th mission and there's just been so many missions. Tell me about his life on Earth. Wife. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Cool. Cool. (laughs) Do tell. She's blonde. He misses her. 
I bet they broke up before he got to the moon, and now he's, like, watching mm. old footage of her and, like, having conversations with her because he misses her. Mm. Was there a child? I don't know. Um, and then, obviously, he, like, he's, he's having sex with her on some moon rocks, and <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's real or imaginary. It seems like a lot of things are in his head. He's going stir-crazy. He's going moon-crazy. What do you think the robot does in the movie? I think the robot is the typical space robot that, that that's there to, like, monitor the ship and let him know when things are going south and let him know, just remind him of things. And then it sounds like he's some form of communication as well. Maybe he's, like, his communicator back down to Earth. Can do all kinds of things, like cut hair and stuff. Mm-hmm. And maybe he starts lying to him and, like, sending him false messages or fabricated messages mm. uh to keep him there on the moon because he wants a friend and he's just keeping mm. him on the moon forever mm. so then i guess with the you saying that he discovers another sam in a compartment do you think that that sam is dead or alive or neither like if it's a robot i don't think it's a robot i think maybe the robot when he was like can i cut your hair he like steals the hair and then he clones him and makes more mm. sam friends and then the robot just keeps hoarding Sam's because he's greedy. And <laughs> that sounds like me as a robot. <laughs> <laughs> and then when a new Sam dies, he's like, I'll just build another Sam. <laughs> that looks exactly the same as Sam in his prime. Yeah. And so by now, Earth is gone. There is no more Earth. Kevin Spacey mm. wasted too much time <laughs> cloning <laughs> Sam's. <laughs> Because he just wanted a friend. I think that he's going to have to fight the robot. <laughs> and it, you would think it'd be easy because he could just, like, smash it. But the robot is AI and connected to the rest of the ship. And he's, like, locking mm. him in there and stuff. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. So I wanted to open with a little story that technically doesn't have to do with the movie. But you reminded me of it when we were talking earlier. And it is that I texted Dakota and said, like, hey, Kimmy and I have to watch Moon for the podcast. Like, do you want to watch it with us? Just if you happen to be home or whatever. And so Dakota says, I guess. And I was like, that's a weird reaction to have, but okay. <laughs> and then the night that we're about to watch Moon, I we're like chatting and stuff. And he says something like, Ugh, okay, let's go watch Stupid Twilight. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? And he was like, aren't we watching Twilight? I was like, did you think we were watching New Moon? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he was explaining like, it to Courtney. <laughs> That's what I said too. I was like, "Do you think she hasn't seen New Moon?" And he was like, "Oh, wait. Then what are we watching?" I was like, "I said Moon." <laughs> That's amazing. So then he was happy to watch Moon. <laughs> that is really um, funny. Do you want me to start, Kimmy, or do you want to start? Here's a, a couple fun facts before the plot. Um, the film was written for Sam to play this role. Mm -hmm. Nice. Which, Which makes sense, actually, because his name in the movie is Sam as well. Oh, yeah. I noticed Pretty that, convenient. yeah. And um, Spike Jones helped uh, Duncan prep for the film and directing it in general. Okay, and here it goes. The film begins, it's the late 21st century. Uh, you know, tiny, tiny fun fact. It, it's supposed to take place in the year 2035. And we start with a commercial from this company called Lunar Industries. And in the commercial, there are images of, like, overrun cities and nasty-ass smokestacks. And the voiceover of the commercial explains that Earth has had an energy crisis and that cars are, like, burning up energy 
and most coal, oil, and natural gas reserves are nearly gone. Uh, then we see like beautiful images in the commercial of like clear lakes and grassy fields. And we learn that Earth's new primary source of energy is called helium-3. It's found on the moon and Lunar Industries is responsible for mining the helium-3 and sending it back to Earth. And the commercial ends with the Lunar Industries logo all profesh and claims that the power of the moon is the power of the future. Our main character, Sam Bell. He's played by Sam Rockwell. Also, Bell yeah. rhymes with Rockwell. I know. <laughs> so Sam Bell, he's um, sporting somewhat of like a Forrest Gump style beard and long That's hair. That's a great observation. Pretty grungy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's exercising. He's on a treadmill, just kind of doing regular stuff. He's aboard the Lunar Industries, I uh, hope I'm saying this right, Serang Mining Base on the moon. So he's there, working there. It appears that he's the only crew member on board. The only other entity aboard is this robot assistant who goes by Gertie. And it must be an acronym for something because it's all capped. Mm -hmm. Gertie's job is to kind of assist him and he controls things on the base and he his primary objective is to take care of Sam. Uh, We see Sam kind of go about his moon duty what, what did you moon say chores. Moon, moon chores, chores? <laughs> it kind of looks like he's been there like a really long time there's sticky notes and like junk everywhere and you know he's kind of sluggish and kind of doing everything at a half-assed pace and not very like intricate like he's he's kind of lax about everything we also kind of catch him having like conversations with himself casually maybe to indicate that he's pretty lonely and he doesn't really have anybody else to talk to uh, he puts on a spacesuit and he goes outside in this like Land Rover buggy. He drives over to the helium three harvester and he collects the helium three to send back to Earth using a rocket pod. How much is it? Like how much is there? Like uh, I'm trying to describe it for listeners, but it's like a big cylinder that's like the size of what would it be the size of? <laughs> it kind of looks like a missile, you know, like a no. like a small missile, maybe like but a short. Three- Three foot long, I would say. So like mm-hmm. the screams in Monsters, Inc. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, dude. That's not that exactly. much. <laughs> Have they tried using screams on Earth? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard they're very resourceful. Extracting the screams from children. <laughs> so back at the base, Sam has to communicate with his bosses on Earth, but there's actually no live communication because there's mm-hmm. some kind of jammed signal and he's just never really been able to talk to them live. Um, and so he's like receiving messages from them and responding back, but n- they're not live communicating. And uh, the same thing with his family. So he is listening to like recorded messages and stuff like that, but that's it. We find out through these messages that his his contract on the moon is for three years and that he's almost at the end. He only has like a couple weeks left to go. Then we transition to, Ayo, it's a Sam butt shot. It's he's a butt taking shot. a shower. <laughs> And it was funny because when we're watching this, we're watching it on um, FaceTime and Kimmy is like, whoa, like Kayleen's happy over there. And I was like, I've honestly seen his butt so many times. (laughs) And then I was inspired, as you guys know, to go change my letterbox list of Sam movies and add um, notes for every movie where he dances and where you see his butt. And I think that there's some I'm missing, but I got a good portion of them. After his shower is when Gertie is giving him a haircut. He has, like, a little vacuum that kind of has little scissors inside. Pretty clever. And he asks him if everything's okay, because Sam seems a little down and has been acting weird lately. 
And Sam says he's fine, but he asked if the satellite's been fixed yet because he wants to have live communication with the bosses and with his family. Gertie says, no, it's kind of a low priority right now. And Sam's like, well, make sure they sort that out because that's super unfair to whoever's replacing me that they won't be able to talk to anyone. Like, that needs to be a priority. And the haircut is done. And he's like, oh, can I have some more medicine? I'm getting another one of my headaches. Then uh, we see Sam is doing, like, some woodworking. He's doing these little carvings with, like, a scalpel and making this miniature wooden city that's pretty intricate and is, like, clearly been worked on for a long time. And while he's doing it, he's kind of, like, still having issues with his headache. Afterwards, he is looking at an old video message from his wife. Oh, you'll have to talk about this because I don't know who she is. Yeah, the wife's name is Tess, and she's played by Dominique McElligott who is um, Queen Maeve from The Boys. Oh, sick. Wow, she looks so different with blonde hair, and she looks like a baby. No, I definitely didn't even recognize her as I was watching the movie. I was like, her face looks familiar, (laughs) and I had to look it up, and then I realized. In the video of his wife, Tess, she says, I know you've been really lonely, but I, I think it's been good for you. I think it's good for both of us. Like, I hope that doesn't come across as mean... Like, I just think it's been good for our relationship for you to, like, she essentially is, like, you're building character up there. And she says, I'm proud of you. And then she brings on her daughter, Eve, well, their daughter, and she's, like, little, little. So it looks like she literally had her right before he left or was just pregnant before he left. She's, like, on her lap, and she says, look, daddy's an astronaut, and is kind of trying to get her to say astronaut. It's very cute, and Sam is very touched by this video. She also says she can't wait for him to come back and that their daughter's birthday is coming up, so she's probably about to turn three since he's about to get back to Earth. That is not a healthy relationship if while you're eight months pregnant, you're like, go to the moon, (laughs) build character, come back better. (laughs) Yeah, also, like, wouldn't you, I just feel like, I mean, unless you were trying to dip out on your kid, I feel like that's the worst time to leave. Wouldn't you be like, wait, but but I have a baby. Yeah. After the video, Sam is then passing the time doing another moon chore, which is watering plants. He has some plants in the greenhouse, and he has, like, two that kind of look like, I don't know, the ones he's focusing on. And they have names, Ridley and Catherine, and they're actually named after Ridley Scott and Catherine Bigelow, who had very famous sci-fi movies. Love that. Yes. Then he's also watching some old TV shows while working on his model again. Sam goes over to fill his coffee cup up uh, with hot water, and as he's filling it, he kind of looks over to where he was sitting, and he suddenly sees a young woman in his seat looking at his model. She's kind of like ethereal there, and he's really distracted by her. He's so distracted that he accidentally runs his hand under the boiling hot water, and he gets burned really bad. He snaps back over to the chair, and the girl is nowhere to be seen. Gertie bandages Sam's hand and says, "Uh, Sam, can I ask how it happened? And Sam says, I told you I was distracted by the TV, but Gertie knows that he's lying because he said when I came in, the TV was off. Perhaps you were imagining things. And Sam kind of dismisses Gertie and goes to bed. He goes to sleep and dreams of being home with Tess and they are in bed doing a little funky business (laughs) in the bed. Funky business. (laughs) moon chores and funky business (laughs) the next day sam wakes up and he kind of wakes up in kind of like a sweat he doesn't feel that great 
And even when he runs on the treadmill that morning, he kind of has like a more difficult time than he did at the beginning of the film. Just not on his top game. Gertie makes Sam breakfast and Gertie cheers him up by reminding Sam that he only has two weeks left of his contract and Sam is really excited about going home. Sam puts on his spacesuit for the day, does a little video log before he's gonna go do his his moon chores. <laughs> <laughs> and as he's doing the log, he's recording, you know, his stats, blah, blah, blah. There's kind of a glitch on the recording. And for a second, we see another recording in its place of what looks like Sam with his long hair and beard from like earlier in the movie. But then it like switches back really fast to his current recording and Sam mentions to Gertie, hey, you know, the system is being a little glitchy today. You know, check that out. Sam then decides, uh, he finishes getting on his suit and he goes outside to the rover to get more helium-3. As he's driving, he's kind of looking out the window beside him at the debris that the mining harvester kind of kicks up as it goes around. And then he sees that woman that he saw before, like, but just out in space. So obviously, like, I mean, people can't just be out in space without a helmet. So he sees a woman, again, the same one he saw earlier, and because of that, he crashes. He seems like he's pretty beat up. He's, like, you know, kind of in a haze. And then we get a scene switch. And he wakes up in the infirmary hmm. on back on the spaceship. And Gertie says, oh, we're, like, just just chill out. We're monitoring your health. Um, you were in an accident outside. Like, do you remember who I am? And he says, yeah, you're Gertie. And he's like, okay, yes, like, seems like you're doing okay. We're going to run some tests on you. We kind of need to monitor you for the next couple days to make sure that you're okay. And says, go back to sleep. It's a little bit later, like, they're kind of showing the time passing and, and he's he keeps being kept there. And he's like, I'm fine. Like, can I get back out and do my moon chores? And um, he starts to get a little bit frustrated and says, you know, I feel better. So Gertie is like, okay, well, take it easy. We actually aren't going to have you do any moon chores right now. Like, you can't go outside right now because you, you're not feeling better enough. So we're not going to let you outside. And then he's like, it's kind of the next day or later that day or something. And he's walking around the corner and overhears Gertie talking to Lunar Industries but it kind of seems like it's a live feed, like there's a response mm. time between the two. And when he rounds the corner, all of a sudden the video is off. And Gertie's like, oh, what are you, what are you doing up? And he's like, I was just uh, watching a video that Lunar Industries sent back saying that they're actually going to send a rescue team to go fix the harvester that, that you crashed into. And Sam's like, that's really strange, doesn't really... I think he might comment on it like, what do you mean? It sounded like you were talking to someone live. And Gertie's like, oh, no, that's totally... Obviously, Gertie's a robot, but he's like, nah, dude, that's totally yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the robot says, nah, dude. I like how he has, like, little smiley faces that come up, too. I hope it's just, like, the two yes. eyes with the flat mouth. And he's like, I don't know what you could be thinking. <laughs> yeah, you saw the trailer, but I guess we should inform viewers that Gertie has a little screen on the front. It's a mm -hmm. little yellow happy face. Or you can make it do a sad face or like a confused face to kind mm -hmm. of like, I guess, to empathize with Sam. Yeah, you know? it's actually I mean, there's a scene later <clears throat> we'll talk about, but it's a very powerful tool where like more than just this robotic voice, you get old school, minimal representation of like a computer making emotions. Yeah. Like, he, and he's really, it's not even, like, a full range of emojis like we have. It's very, like, sad, happy, cry, confused, like, that kind of thing. Sam is now back to full health. 
he sees that one of the harvesters is stalled and he's like, Gertie, did you know about this? Like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to fix it. That's not cool. And Gertie insists that Sam stay inside like the order said. But that night, Sam has another dream that he's in bed with Tess doing that funky business. They're having sex. And, but, and we kind of like watching them do it. And then we kind of go into their sheets. And way down at the bottom of the bed underneath the sheets appears like another Sam and he's in the spacesuit and he's got all the long hair and stuff and he's reaching out at them like from beneath the sheets. <laughs> and then it kind of fades out. It's like a weird dream sequence. I did not like that part. I thought it was super scary. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam wakes up the next day and he's kind of like tired of being kept from his moon chores. Uh, he gets some tools and he opens a vent secretly without Gertie seeing and he cuts into a tube causing a leak of gas to spray out into the moon base. Gertie comes over and he's like going to try and work and fix on it. But Sam's like, oh, no, no. Some <laughs> meteor might have caused a problem from outside. There might be a breach in the exterior shell of the base. I should definitely go inspect it. Like, we don't want this place to be filled up with gas, do we? And after some arguing and persuasion, Sam tricks Gertie and Gertie allows him to be let outside to go and fix this fake damage. Sam goes to go get his spacesuit, but he finds that the spacesuit is missing, which is kind of weird. So he takes the spare, gets into another rover and drives out to the harvester and he comes upon the crash from earlier. And the first rover is still there. And Sam opens the hatch and he goes inside and finds that there is a body inside. He wipes the dust off of the top of his helmet and realizes that the body looks just like him, but it's all battered and bruised up and scary. <laughs> Sam pulls the body out and drags him back to the base and lays him on the ground in front of Gertie. And he's like, what's going on? Why does he look like me? And Gertie just says, that's Sam Bell. Bum, bum, bum. Mm -hmm. From this point on, we we made it really silly in the notes, but I'm sure we'll change how we refer to them at some point. <laughs> it's a We've referred much. <laughs> to them as Bruisey Boy Sam, which is the Sam that was just recovered, and Stricty Boy Sam. So stri basically Bruised Sam and Strict Sam, and we'll kind of explain. So Bruised Sam then wakes up in the infirmary, and he's like, you know, laying on the table, kind of how we saw the other Sam before. We see, actually, that his hand is bandaged, meaning that he is the one we started the movie with, and the one that woke up in the infirmary was a different Sam. Yeah. Strict Sam is standing in the corner, kind of looking at the Sam on the slab. Bruised Sam from the table says, who is that? Kind of seeing that there's, in his sleepy stupor, sees there's another Sam-looking guy over there, and Gertie says, don't worry about that right now, just go to sleep. We then see Strict Sam watching a message from Tess. She talks about how it's good that he's up there and she's kind of sad it's such a long time that he'll be gone, which insinuates that these are like the beginning of the video messages that he's watching. Mm -hmm. She thinks it's a good thing and that she needs time to think anyways and tells him to be safe. Later on, we see Bruce Sam is finally well enough to start walking around the base, but there's obviously some tension between the two of them because they don't really know what's going on. And Strict Sam is, like, punching, like, a little... Is it just a punching yeah. bag? Like, yeah. the tiny ones. And he's punching that. And he's, like, kind of 
aggressive. It's clear that this situation he's dealing with in an aggressive way, whereas the bruised Sam is kind of, like, meek and timid and starts to, like, approach him to discuss what's going on. Then he goes over to Gertie and says, you know what, who is this other Sam? And Gertie says, well, that's Sam Bell. He's like, well, who am I? And Gertie says, well, you're Sam Bell. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. And he cries and he's confused. He doesn't know what's going on. Gertie also says that the rescue team that's coming and the bosses don't know that he was recovered alive from the crash. And he's like, okay. And Gertie says, I'm just here to keep you safe, Sam. Bruised Sam runs to the bathroom in distress. He's so, so sad. And he pulls out a Sharpie and on the wall, he kind of draws out two weeks of smiley faces. He's like, two weeks, just Mm. two weeks, two weeks. Uh, Kayleen actually pointed this out, that just below the smiley faces that he's drawing, you know when you kind of like write something on a dry erase board? Yeah. When you erase it, you can kind of still see the clear outline of what was there previously. Has he already done this? There looks like there's a bunch of other erased out smiley faces underneath Ah. the ones that he's drawing. Bruised Sam tries to talk to Strict Sam some more, but Strict Sam is not really having it. And And Strict Sam is like, can't believe that I'm like talking to a clone. And Bruce Sam insists that he's not a clone, and he says, you're the clone. <laughs> they kind of, like, agree to disagree. They're, they're clearly not together on this. Yeah. The two Sams kind of go about their business, and they're kind of eggshelling around each other, checking out what the other one is doing on a daily basis. Bruce Sam works on his plants, and he kind of talks to himself as he had done previously and strict sam is like how long have you been here you're talking to yourself you you know and he's like i've been here for almost three years and then bruised sam kind of tries to thank strict sam for saving him otherwise you know he'd probably be dead and bruised sam really wants to shake strict sam's hand because he just kind of comes out and says you know i'm lonely and i just like really want to shake your hand you know maybe to get some like human contact and maybe an olive branch situation but Mm-hmm. Strict Sam snubs him, and he's like, maybe later. Bruce Sam tries to convince Strict Sam to just relax, and hey, maybe you want to play some ping pong. That's cute. And we get this really cool scene of them both together. Mm-hmm. And it's a wide shot, so we can see both of them about to play pong. Bruce Sam looks really confident and lax, like, you know, he's been here for three years, he knows how to play pong, and Strict Sam's kind of stretching out. He's like, don't tell me we're relaxed, I know how to play ping pong. Bruce Sam works on his miniature model of his hometown. I don't know if we mentioned it earlier, but it is of his hometown. And Strict Sam asks him how long he's been working on it. And Bruce Sam says the model was already here. And it started before he even found it, before he got here for his contract. And he's been adding new buildings and people to it all along. And Strict Sam says that it's further proof that they are clones because he recognizes the town as his hometown as well. It's Fairfield. It's his hometown. See, yeah, it's like that's the main street, blah, blah, blah. That means that they share the same memories. Bruce Sam kind of considers this, and then he shares a photo of Eve, his daughter, with him. And Strick Sam kind of looks at it. Maybe he he doesn't. This is what's confusing because he looks at it like he doesn't have a daughter. Because in that Sam's mind, like his memories are only of her being pregnant a pregnant woman mm-hmm. and so now it's like you're showing me a fully formed daughter i don't know yeah another message from the bosses comes in and they're confirming when the rescue ship will be there to relieve sam of his mission 
basically they're saying like, oh, we're going to go recover, you know, the crash and then we're going to take Sam home. So you actually get to go home early. How about that? Strict Sam tries to convince Bruce Sam like, no, there's no way you're actually going back to Earth. Like they're not going to let you go back. What do you think is actually going to happen? You think you're going to go down there and Tess is going to be like sitting in lingerie waiting for you. What about the original Sam? Like, since we're clones, what what about the original Sam? And he says, I'm the original Sam. Me. And he goes, Gertie, am I a clone? And Gertie changes the subject and says, is anyone hungry? <laughs> and Bruce Sam storms off. Strict Sam then starts to kind of go over some theories like, you know, how did I get up here so fast? How would I, a clone, get up here so fast that you were still alive in that crashed rover? There must be... A place on the ship where the clones are being held, especially if there's more of them. Mm. Bruce Sam is like, no, nah, you're just being crazy. Strict Sam then kind of starts acting a little crazy, going around the base, like convinced that there's a secret compartment where he's going to find some clones or at least like a storage for clones. And he's like destroying everything in the base. And this is also while Bruce Sam is working on his model. So he's kind of like, you know, calm down your commotion he looks everywhere, Strict Sam does. And then he comes over to Bruce Sam, and he's like, the only place I haven't looked is under that model. And he's like, well, you're not going to move my model. I'm literally working on it. And they get into this big fight. And he says, just let me move it so I can look under it. But then things get physical. They get into like a physical fight because Strict Sam is convinced that Bruce Sam is going to like slice him with this little carving tool. So he's trying to get it away from him. And it turns into this like really big deal where they're fighting for a long time. Strict Sam ends up destroying the model out of anger so that he can get underneath it. And obviously this like really crushes Bruce Sam because he's been working on it the whole time he was there. Mm -hmm. When the fight is kind of done occurring, it's clear that Bruce Sam is like bleeding profusely from his face. He looks like he's really fucked up. And Strict Sam like is upset about it. Like he didn't mean to hurt him so badly, but he's also kind of, it it seems almost childish where he's like, I didn't even, I barely even hit you. Like in the way that kids do, but it also seems a little strange. Like his face is really fucked up. So then Bruce Sam later is talking with Gertie about the other Sam and is kind of trying to reason with Gertie. Like, you know, he's the shitty Sam. He flipped over my entire model. Like he scares me. He's always flying off the handle. He's got such a bad temper. And he says, now I kind of get what Tess was talking about when she said I had a bad temper because he's seeing that side of his personality. And he says that he told Tess that when he came up there that he would change. And he says, Gertie, I don't know if I ever told you this, but we were actually separated for a bit. Me coming up here, I think it's implied that him coming up there was like, maybe this will be what can bring us back together. Mm Mm-hmm. And he says, Gertie, I've sent Tess hundreds of messages. Did she ever get them? Gertie says, Sam, I can only account for what occurs on the base. Sam says, well, what about all the messages I've sent her? Gertie says, Sam, I can only account for what occurs on the base. Sam asks Gertie, am I really a clone? And Gertie says, "Uh, when you first arrived, you were involved in a small crash. You woke up in the infirmary and suffered minor brain damage, memory loss. Remember, like I kept you under surveillance and ran some tests. Right? And Sam says, yeah, I remember. And Gertie reveals that the crash doesn't actually exist. And there never was a crash. That the Sams are in fact clones. And after the three-year contract expires, a new Sam is awakened in the infirmary with implanted memories of Sam's family from the original Sam Bell's memories. Gertie also, uh, when the new clone awakens, 
He conducts tests to evaluate their physical and mental states before they have to go to work. And that kind of explains how the clones kind of come to be in the working positions on this base. And Bruce Sam breaks down upon learning the truth. And Gertie tries to comfort him by showing him one of the sad faces and then a crying face. But Sam walks away in silence and he just wants to be alone. I just want to clarify it because I feel like my first viewing of this, it was a little confusing. Mm-hmm. The crash that happened recently was real, where he was recovered. However, yeah. when each new clone wakes up, they are told they were involved in a crash that never existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is as if he, you know, his first crash never happened, but this most recent one did. Later on, Strict Sam tries to apologize to Bruce Sam, but Bruce Sam's playing music and he's dancing he's dancing (laughs) he gets his dancing scene strict sam throws the tape that's playing the music so that he can stop dancing bruce sam kind of like mocks him like well you're a tough guy the way that sam rockwell does like so well and strict sam realizes that gertie was supposed to keep him from finding bruce sam and strict sam says he heard a live communication between gertie and the people on earth so they're kind of like sharing their knowledge together now and kind of like building a relationship and when the rescue teams arrives they realize that they'll see them together and they'll be forced to kill them both Hmm. oh he also says that based on like me seeing gertie kind of talk to the live communication if the satellite is not being jammed from within the base it must be caused by something outside bruised sam and strict sam get suited up they are gonna go figure out how to fix all that and they drive the rovers outside. They pass their perimeter of the base, uh, which Bruce Sam says he's actually never gone past this far before. They split up to look for anything unusual around that they could maybe get the jam out and fix the communication. They each come to two different towers that have been used to block the live feeds to the base. Bruce Sam gets out and looks out, and suddenly he like drops to his knees in pain, and he's like holding his stomach. He vomits blood into his helmet. It's like so nasty. Mm-hmm. And he's like, calm. He calls um, Strict Sam on the phone. He's like, I'm not feeling too good. I'm going to head back. And he's like, okay, I'm going to spend some more time out here and look for stuff. Bruce Sam goes back to the base. And he also finds out that one of his like huge fucking molars is falling out of the, his. And he pulls it out. Yeah, clones don't last his. very long. <laughs> I may be right, Courtney. With that, we're at the halfway points. Kidoki, this is very Source Cody. <laughs> oh, is it? I've never seen Source Code, so. Spoilers for Source Code. Yeah, the idea is that Jake Gyllenhaal is just trapped in this lifeless existence of living out kind of a simulation to figure things out, and he doesn't get to have the happy ending because he's already dead. And so this feels kind of similar of, I don't know, maybe the real Sam Bell is back on Earth and they have just been cloning him. It's just been one man's cloned DNA stuck in this existence forever and he's the sacrifice for Earth to do these things. And I think the idea would be that they have enough footage of this one woman who starts out pregnant who goes through, like, they they got her, they got this actress contractually obligated for three years to live out this, (laughs) to live out this scenario, and then they filmed it, and that's why you would just, yeah, why wouldn't you just use clones to, I mean, why not just use robots? It sounds like Gertie's pretty intelligent, can't he go farm Mm. the helium? (laughs) But instead, they they went the complicated route, (laughs) 
Maybe because Gertie's evil and Gertie did this on purpose. Maybe Gertie and original Sam were on the moon and Gertie gave him a haircut, stole his DNA, and then the real Sam Bell went back to Earth and Gertie was like twiddling his robot thumbs and just like started making clones. Yeah, clones don't last though. So Bruce Sam was the quote original one who has been there for his his three years are almost up but then did get into an accident. And so it was like, well, time to make a new clone because boss said, gotta get on time, get this helium. And so mm-hmm. they made another one. Whoopsie doopsie, you shouldn't have done that because they went and found the other <laughs> Sam. The Sams are going to get into a fight. Once they kill Gertie, it's all over for the clones. <laughs> and then... <laughs> That's it. They're jeopardizing <laughs> Earth by with their clone shenanigans. A leading question... Now that they know how to get live communication, what do you think they'll do with that power? They're going to call Tess. They're going to see their 30-year-old child. (laughs) 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 And they're going to see Sam Bell. Sam Bell is going to answer. He's going to be like, hello? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, is this thing on? Yeah, I'm sorry, but they're screwed. They're just clones and it's sad that that the idea is that we feel bad for them and maybe we would feel bad for Gertie because it's like he's lonely too but they are (laughs) clones and they are there to work they're little worker bees and it's sad but it's very very black mirror like of uh (laughs) that episode where the girl is stuck in like her house as a little slave oh yeah herself cookies yeah yeah, mm-hmm. but we need that. We need somebody, we need, like, a competent human mind to be doing this. They gave him hobbies, like, be happy, clone. You have your little wooden town. <laughs> That's all I've ever wanted is a little wooden And then maybe, town. like, before they wake up, the new the new clones, like... <laughs> Bad fucking take. Wow. Did Dano just spoil the movie? <laughs> what is that? Bad take. What do you mean, I bad don't know. Take? He doesn't like my ideas. <laughs> I'm not oh. at the end of the movie. I'm at the halfway no, point. What was your opinion of it? <laughs> at the halfway point. Don't spoil it. That's actually like a really interesting point, Courtney. If they, if the sole purpose of creating the clones was to have them work, why would they give them any other kinds of like human-like desires, like you know, or hobbies, like making? plants grow or something you need that empathy and you need that reasoning in order to actually problem solve i don't feel Mm -hmm. like the clone would be good at that or the robot Mm -hmm. of course like you just need to have motivation you're not going to have that if there's no goal to work towards you have something to occupy yourself during the day and then you have something to go home to in two weeks and so Mm -hmm. he's got that to look forward to and i think that hope really would motivate someone a lot in in that especially if he gets to see all these videos of his his family Mm -hmm. back home and if he feels like he is actually working towards something of course yeah you don't really need to mess with people's emotions and gertie sounds like he could do just a fine job of all these things anyways but that's not a movie why not just like take a legless armless jake gyllenhaal and put him through torture over and over again in source code does he not have legs and arms (laughs) he doesn't have legs and arms oh my god they took his sweet little body and they were like take his mind make him solve this terrorist attack (laughs) stuck talking to vera farmiga for the rest of his life oh my god i barely i saw that in theaters when did it come out 2011 something like that yeah i saw that in theaters and i never thought about it again (laughs) it's it's (laughs) it's really annoying how highly it's Mm. rated it's got like a 93 percent oh yes we discovered that 
Oh, when we why? played the Rotten Tomatoes game. Yeah. But what what was it about though? It was rating, seeing which Jake movies were the right, top three, and it, right. it, it like beat broke back. Right. <laughs> the fuck, that's so fucked up. That is that so fuck? funny. So I feel like Moon was Duncan Jones's first shot at this of like having this. And mm-hmm. I think this one is much more existential and it is deeper and more indie. And then maybe the success of this, if there was any, got him the money to go yeah. and make source code. Totally. Those are my thoughts. I would like to hear it happen. Okay, are you, are you ready to finish? Yeah. Okay. okay. Strick Sam is out and about searching for more towers while Bruce Sam is messing with the main computer of the base. He tries to access his contract to look at it, but his password is now being denied. And he's like, Gertie, what is going on? And Gertie enters the right password for him. And he gets to look at tapes of previous clones. So he's looking at these these different clones. And for each one, it seems like at the end of each contract, how it goes is the clone gets increasingly sick in the same way he seems to be. Like their hair starts falling out. They're having these bad coughs, all this stuff. And then eventually each clone is put into this chamber where they're told you're going to be put into this deep sleep that'll keep you there for three days while you return back to Earth. It's like this little pod that ships you back to Earth. Yeah. Um, But then once, like, the light flashes in the room, you don't see the clones. And so he's kind of like, what's going on there? So Bruce Sam, after watching these videos, is like, I'm going to find that room, which he does. And he activates the chamber, like, basically pretending he's going back to Earth. And this recorded video plays for whoever's in the chamber. But he's, he didn't actually get in it. He's standing next to it. And the recorded video is from Lunar Industries and says, you know, we want to thank you for doing such a good job. Like, blah, blah, blah. Now you're going to be rewarded for your hard work. You'll fall asleep and then you'll be back on Earth in no time. After the message is over, there's this huge flash of light. And it's insinuated that they are incinerated. And so Sam is kind of like looking around for evidence and there's this little kind of valve on the side that blew out what looks to be human remains yeah so it's clear that they're getting like zapped to death um he's then like all right this seems like a room where there'd be some sketchy stuff so he starts like looking around on the floorboards and finds that one of the floorboards does come up and there's a secret room down there stricty boy sam gets back to the base And he's like, oh, I found more towers, but Bruce Sam is kind of sitting in the hallway looking upset. And he says, I found your secret room. And so the two Sams go over to it and he's kind of worried, like he wanted to do it together. So he says, you know, you go down first and they go down and it's like the longest hallway of all time. You can't see the end of it. There's hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of clones. Maybe the entire bottom level of the spaceship is clones. We don't really know. And uh, you see that there are little, like, indicators next to them, and six of them are red while the rest are white, which implies that six clones have been activated, two of them being the ones that we see in the film. Bruce, Sam... They go back up. Bruce Sam asks Gertie, like, why'd you help me with the password earlier? And again, Gertie reiterates, my main priority is to help you. Gotta keep him calm. (laughs) Bruce Sam takes a portable video device outside of the range of the jammers, outside in space, and he decides to call his home. Ayo, just like you guessed. Yeah, there's a, a teenager answers the phone, and she does say something that, like, 
that she can't see him. There's like a signal is blocking his video, but he can see her. It's because mm-hmm. he's he's covering the camera because he doesn't want to scare oh, her. Oh, okay, yeah. Aww. I missed that part, yeah. but yeah. The actress is somebody you know. Any guesses of who it might be? She was the star of a movie we did on the pod. Okay, but this is like 2009. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jenna Malone. No, we always <laughs> guess her. <laughs> She's like the lead lead of a movie? Yeah. It's not Kristen. I don't know. Who is it? It's Kaya Scondelario. <laughs> I would never have ever gotten that. <laughs> From Crawl? Yeah, I don't care about her or that movie. <laughs> I forgot we did it. <laughs> Fair enough. It's Eve. That's I don't know if you remember, but that's the name of the kid is Eve, and she's a teenager now. She says, yeah, something's wrong with your picture, but he asks if um, Tess Bell is there, if he can speak to her. Eve says, no, I'm sorry, she's not. She's been dead for a couple of years now. Sad. And Sam says, are you sure? And she says, I'm pretty sure I'm her daughter. And Bruce Sam realizes that he's talking to his daughter. And he says, oh, hey, Eve, I think he even calls her honey or something like that. How old are you? And she says, um, I'm 15. Who are you? He kind of just loses all like manner of talking to her cryptically. He's like, how'd mommy die, sweetheart? Like, and she gets kind of wigged out by that. And off screen, she says, dad, there's someone asking about mom on the phone. And from off screen, the real Sam says, who's asking about mom? Bruce Sam quickly hangs (laughs) up and breaks down. He's crying. He's like, that's enough. I want to go home and shows earth in the distance. It's like real sad. Yeah. I was like, I interrupted us watching it and I was like, okay. Like, didn't know we were about to be doing this right now. Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. It's a, that's like the best acting moment, I would say. He's like, it's very much like a little boy who knows it's totally out of his control. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Courtney, you got all that stuff right. Yeah, you got it right. Yay. He goes back to the base where strict Sam is trying to carve some of the model. He's taken it up as part of his hobby as well. Bruce Sam has to show him how to do it right. It's kind of a nice bonding moment. Strict Sam sees that Bruce Sam's health is deteriorating like really bad. Bruce Sam says that he's freezing. And so Strict Sam helps him into bed and puts a little beanie on him and really takes care of him and puts him to sleep so he can get some rest. Strict Sam finds the video device in Bruce Sam's bag and replays the last call, and he sees what transpired. He stops in mm-hmm. shock after hearing that Tess is dead, too. He, he finds that out, too. Strict Sam tells Gertie that they found the clone room, and he wants him to wake up another clone. And Gertie refuses, and Strict Sam makes him understand that when the rescue team gets here, they will kill him and Bruce Sam. Do you want me and the other Sam to be killed? Like, isn't that your prime directive to help us, to keep us safe? This is the last thing that I want. It's the last thing I want. Looking out for their well-being, Gertie complies with the request. We see a little clock that says the rescue team will be there in five hours. Bruce Sam wakes up from his, like, fever sleeping and he's very clearly weak. He's like kind of stumbling around and he finds that they have awoken a new clone who is laying unconscious in the infirmary, like where they all started. And Strick Sam tells him that he's come up with a plan and he kind of touches Bruce Sam's forehead and feels like that he's very hot and is like, you know, you don't look too good. I'm 
kind of asking him what's wrong, but Bruce Sam kind of shrugs it off. But he looks, like, really bad. Super pale, super sick, like, covered in blood. Very bad. They see that the res- the rescue team's going to be there in a few hours, and Strick Sam is like, well, they're going to expect to find a Sam inside the crashed rover, because that's the whole reason that they're coming up here. And so Strick Sam says that his new plan is that what they're going to do is they're going to kill this new clone, put it in the rover... And then the OG Sam, they're going to put in that rocket that they send all the helium-3 back to Earth in. So they're going to, like, send OG Sam to Earth. Strict Sam is just going to, like, live out his three years like he's supposed to. Mm. Oh, yeah. And that he's just going to pretend that he, you know, doesn't know about the Sam outside or anything. And he's just been in the the base the whole time. And so Bruce Sam kind of goes along with it. And they're, like, seeing how he'll fit in the little pod that sends the rockets down. The pod's a lot bigger than the rockets are, so there's, like, space for a human. But he's very sick and, like, barely gets up in there. He's, like, kind of hugging a little jacket, so he's not even using his arms to get into the rocket thing. And he's, like, kind of moving around, and he's, like, kind of crunched up. His neck's bent and stuff. And Strick Sam is like, you comfy? And he goes, no. And he's like, what? He goes, no. (laughs) And he's, like, so upset. And he goes, what if I have to take a shit? And he's like, well, you're going to have to hold it in, pal. Like, this is what we have to do. And he's just so grumpy and looks so uncomfortable. And he, like, gets out of the little rocket and he says, I don't like the idea. Like, you and I are the same guy. We have the same brain. And I know that I can't murder anyone. So there's no way that you're going to be able to murder anyone anyway. And he says, there's also no point in me going back to Earth. Like, if I meet Eve like this, I'm going to scare the crap out of her. I look ridiculous. So he says that his change of the plan is that he wants to be put inside the original rover because he thinks he's going to die. And he says that strict Sam should go back to Earth in his place. And then the new Sam will just wake up not knowing anything. And then he can live on the base. And so Strick Sam and him kind of talk like on a, you know, obviously the situation's really heavy, but they're kind of joking around like, what are you going to do on earth? And he's like, maybe I'll travel. I'll go to like Mexico or Hawaii. Maybe I'll die of clothes disease in a matter of time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Strick Sam and Bruised Sam suit up and go out to the crash rover. They talk fondly of Tess for a little while and they like kind of talk about like the first time that they went on a date. It's really sweet because they both remember it the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Bruce Sam is falling asleep out of weakness. He's just like really not doing well at this point. Strick Sam carries the really, really weak Bruised Sam back to the rover and places him gently inside. Strick Sam goes back to the base to find that the rescue crew will be there in a matter of minutes. He packs up some of his belongings and prepares to leave in the rocket when Gertie points out that the plan will not work. Gertie records everything. Once a clone wakes up in the infirmary, Lunar Industries can scan his memory and learn about the two clones interacting and how they made up this whole plan. And Strict Sam will have to erase Gertie's memory. Gertie tells him that. That's nice. Kill Gertie. Yeah. He says, um, it's so that I can keep you safe. Are you okay with that? He says, I want to help you. And Sam and I will go back to our programming as soon as I finish rebooting. Sam says, we're not programmed. We're people. You understand? And he thanks Gertie and says goodbye before shutting him down and erasing his memory. The rescue crew arrives. At the same time, strict Sam rushes back to the main computer and enters a command really quick. He then runs back to the rocket, sees the rescue team has arrived with guns, and they're kind of, the shadows of them are kind of like peeking around the corner. They're calling out to Sam, but 
Sam knows that he needs to stay hidden. And then he launches. He launches himself out. Hmm. The third Sam wakes up asking where he is and what happened to Gertie. And they're none the wiser. You know, Gertie's memory banks have been erased. The cloned Sam is waking up just like they always have been. And Bruce Sam sees that the strict Sam has successfully shot himself out the rocket to Earth. And he watches the rocket pass by him on his way back to his home planet. And he dies inside the rover as he watches him go. Rescue crew finds the crashed rover and begins to work on the damaged harvester. And they find the body in there just like they were meant to. And we see that before Strix Sam left the command, he entered, uh, destroyed the tower outside the perimeter, allowing the third clone Sam to have a live feed with Earth like Mm -hmm. he wanted at the beginning of the film. We then get uh, a shot of the rocket, like a close-up shot of Sam traveling toward Earth, and he's doing like this really ridiculous, like it's like woo, 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 yeah, like so loud and like muffled over the shaking of the rocket. We end the movie with a voiceover saying that Lunar Industries stock has dropped thirty-two percent as a result of the clone controversy that was leaked to the press. So Strick Sam is back on Earth, and he's testifying to the CAA Board of Directors in Seattle. Um, and then there's, like, uh, there's it's basically just, like, all these different news things that are saying, like, oh, Sam is back here, and he's saying there's a clone situation. And then there's some people saying, like, you know, the stock has dropped. So, yeah, so that's what's going on on Earth, and presumably Lunar Industries, uh, their shit got figured out. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. Wow. I wish we could see him with mm-hmm. Eve. I know. Um, fun fact, if you've heard of the movie Mute, which is on Netflix right now, it's a presumed sequel that is also by Duncan Jones, and there's a small portion of the movie where Sam does appear in it. It's like mm-hmm. Paul Rudd and Skarsgård, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then before we get into the ratings, I just, the only thing about this movie that left me confused is, I guess we should say this too, we didn't want to reveal it at the time, but, um, those visions of, like, the woman quote, woman that he's singing are his 15-year-old daughter. And, you know, we also had that weird vision of, like, beat-up, long-haired Sam reaching out to the, you know, in the bed covers. So there's all this kind of weird stuff where it's like, but he wouldn't know that yet. And so I went to the internet, and I said, internet, what do you think? And kind of the only thing I could come up with and that the internet and, like, Reddit talked about, too, is that it it's kind of this idea that maybe there's this cross-contamination yeah. of, like, what clones see. And so, like, the clone knowledge might overlap in some weird way that they can't explain. And so they have these hallucinations and I stuff. really like that. Or maybe, for mm. all we know, like, Gertie's feeding them some stuff to kind of help them. Mm. Maybe it's, like, getting mixed up. Like, mixing in new memories with old memories yeah. or something. That's also a big conundrum with time travel movies is, like, if you see yourself, you'll go crazy. Mm. When you go back in time and stuff, and it's like, yeah, if you clone right. yourself and you relive the same situation every three years, like, I'm sure s- something is bound to go wrong, and psychologically right. <laughs> it can't <laughs> it can't stay. I really don't want to see Sam Rockwell's tooth falling out. That scares me. And, like, his hair and <laughs> blood. Yeah. That sounds yucky. Yeah. yeah, it definitely seems... It also poses the question, like, I mean, I guess now they've been found out but it's like if this had continued to go on you wonder like how many other instances like this could have happened things aren't always gonna go to plan i mean they got away with it for like five clones yeah but they thought they'd get away with it for like thirty thousand. i know (laughs) why 
All right, are we ready to rate? Sure. Okay, we're gonna rate this. Get ready. Three, two, one. What is yours, Kimmy? Mine's a 6.5. Okay, mine's an 8.5. Mine's a (laughs) 7.5. I like how that we all were not willing to give it a flat score. I was like, the .5 counts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I gave it a 7.5, and I, I definitely do think upon watching it, it would go up. In hearing it, I do think it is more of a visual movie that I would need to see. Mm. Um, so I apologize for, like, rating your explanation version of it maybe lower than it deserved, but it was just kind of, like, I can see where it would be really strong to watch, but then maybe in hearing about it or in just focusing on only the plot, I'm like, it, it dings a little bit for me just in terms of, yeah, Why? Why all the human clones? Um, You have a perfectly functional robot who really can do a lot, it seems. (laughs) I also thought there was going to be just maybe more to do with more clones, like being alive at a time. I thought I was going to get a ton of Sams, from what I've heard Mm. you say in the past. I thought I was going to get like 50 Sams. Um, (laughs) And I think it it does sound like an emotional movie. I got to definitely say that my seven and a half is a positive. I I don't mean to like Mm. say the negatives first. It sounds like a really interesting movie. It sounds... Like, his performance would be worthwhile. And I do like that kind of exact sci-fi psychological mystery is what it really feels like. It feels like there's a big mystery behind it. I just also do feel like my rating is colored by Duncan Jones. (laughs) It sounds like this man's making the same movie over and over again. (laughs) And he's, I mean, with that knowledge of source code, he's made this, he's made mute, he's made source code. That's pretty much it. So it's like... So where does it end, yeah. Duncan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my rating. Um, I gave it a 6.5. I really did enjoy it. I, I, I honestly don't know much of Duncan Jones' work, but um, <laughs> I feel like there's like a considerable amount of holes or things that were just, were just decided on that were not going to be discussed at length. And, and this is what I think. I think that it's for brevity, and I think that it's not meant to be discovered in the context of this movie because it's not really about that. It's about kind of like the relationships between these clone, these clones and, yeah, you're right, Corny, like hope and what makes somebody continue on and persevere and, and human sacrifice and selflessness and stuff like that. And it's not necessarily about like the interworkings of the cloning and like yeah. the, kind of the sciencey stuff that we normally associate with a space movie. So I respect that as a choice for this particular movie, but that's just kind of one of the reasons why it doesn't hit home for me. Uh, I just feel like there's like holes, you know? I feel like there's holes that, that needed filling and um, we didn't get that in this movie. I'm continuously floored by Sam Rockwell's natural (laughs) affinity and ability to envelop a a role and like he just it looks like he just does it with like so much ease and there's just this cavalier Mm -hmm. attitude that he plays every character and it's definitely evident in this movie um I really respect that and love watching it it's so entertaining so that was definitely like a good a positive for me um, mm-hmm. definitely not one of my favorite Sam Rockwell movies, but that that's what brought me to a 6.5. So I rated it the highest at an 8.5, and before we talked about it, I was, like, hovering somewhere between 8, 8.5, 9, and so I feel like this was at, uh, bound to happen. <laughs> but, um, I... I guess what happened was I started doing research on it before we were doing the explanation and taking notes for the explanation, and that really made me feel like maybe I would give it a nine, 
But then as we kind of like dissected it and went through it a bit more, I bumped it back down to an 8.5. I guess I just really like, I really liked the movie. I've seen it one other time and on my second viewing, I was able to focus more and understand it more because I already knew some of what was going to happen. And I was also able to see more of the other elements of filmmaking. Like I really liked the score. I mean, they do replay some stuff a lot, but there's a very, like when I went back for the explanation, there's an ambiance that's created with the score that the second I heard it, I was like, now I can tell this is from Moon. You know, it's got like a very memorable sound. Obviously putting two people or two of the same person in one scene is like a thing effects wise that's like pretty impressive, even though people do do it. I guess that's another thing that I would just commend Sam for is that there is a very clear relationship between the two of them. Like I would say if they were actors, I would say, oh, those two actors had really good chemistry. So the fact that it's (laughs) one guy playing two different parts and that that has chemistry is very impressive. I did really connect with the story. I really like the hallucination aspect thinking like, yeah, why was that included? Because obviously it was intentional. It happens several times. And... I also really like some of the tinier things, like when he says, oh, I see the temper that Tess was talking about. It kind of makes you think, what parts of myself would I like and what parts would I not like if I was meeting someone who is myself? There's just a lot of bits that, that cause discussion and kind of this existential thought and, you know, what are the rights of clones? So... I really liked it my second time around. Uh, I bumped it up above some other movies on my Sam Rockwell list oh, cool. after seeing it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now on to our watch list ads and recommendations. I'm going to go first. For my watch list ad, it's coming out on December 11th. It's I'm Your Woman starring Rachel Brosnahan from oh. Marvelous Miss Maisel. Um, oh. Apparently it's like... um a mobster type movie that stars a woman as the leading character, which really intrigues me because I hate mob movies. And <laughs> just because it's men, 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 and like, you know, dick measuring contests and money oh and blah, blah, blah. And like... Is it going to be six hours long? <laughs> I really feel like it's just going to be Midge. It's just going to so? be Midge I, I think, in, the, in I feel like she's going to play like a really different character. I mean, I don't... I, I don't think she seen, does, but I would love to see just Midge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. She would deal with it really well. Yeah. I'm excited to see her play somebody different. She looks, I mean, I don't really think she even says anything, like, in the trailer. I can't remember. I only saw it one time, but I don't know. I'm really interested in seeing that. And for my recommendation, I would like to recommend a movie called Never Let Me Go. Mm-hmm. It's starring Keira Knightley, Andrew Garfield, and Carrie Mulligan. I think mm-hmm. it's probably one of the first movies that put Andrew Garfield on the map for me. I think he's so good in that mo- movie. He's, like, so heart-wrenching. Anyways, it does have to do with cloning, I believe, in a way. It, you know, well, yeah. Have you heard of it, Kayleen? Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't really know anything about it. I believe it's a book first. I read the book. Um, I haven't seen the movie. Okay. Basically, these group of people are born and bred to essentially be, like, organ houses for their wealthier counterparts. So when... I think that there's, like, a global situation where people's organs, like die off really easily they buy these clones to harvest their organs from and get transplants these people are put on earth to just house richer people's organs and um eventually like 
you run out of organs and you die and that's your sole purpose nice. on earth and it's like it's very devastating and there's like love triangle situation going on it, it's a sad sad movie but i really enjoy mm-hmm. it and it's been a while since i've seen it but i i highly recommend it uh, okay, so I'm going next. Adding to my watch list, it's an easy pick, but it was something that I have been wanting to watch, and it is Mute. It's been on there, and now I have a reason. Maybe I should watch it now while I have, like, the momentum from this movie. <laughs> um, and then this is a little bit, I guess it's not cheating, but kind of. Um, my recommendation for the week is specifically the Black Mirror episode, White Christmas. It's basically as long as a movie. I think it might be like the longest episode. Um, It was actually the first one I ever watched. And there's several really intriguing stories in it, one of which we mentioned on the podcast. So go watch that episode. Okay. Um, Adding to my watch list, it's not even really an episode of the second season, but there is a new installment of Euphoria that's just about Rue and it just takes place Mm. like the night of the last season finale and so I'm really excited to watch that. That's interesting. I know. And And there's a second one entitled Jules coming out. Yeah it just says on the poster this is not season two because it's like it's not the season it's just a focus on that. Yeah I really like that so I'm gonna watch that. That makes me want to watch the whole show just for that. (laughs) (laughs) You should. For my recommendation for the week, I'm going to recommend Black Bear, starring Mm. Aubrey Plaza, which is such a mind-bendy little type movie like this, and I told these two gals that I don't want to say anything more because I want them to go into it blind. It is Mm -hmm. more of a Mulholland drive than it is a moon, but I still think that it really fits for this, and um, it is available to rent on all platforms now, and... How cool. It was really cool, and it's not necessarily trippy, and it's not horror like I thought it was going to be, but it did have some cerebral aspects to it that I enjoyed. Okay, well, catch us next week. Do you want to say what the fun thing about this episode is? Yes, catch us next week for episode 63 with a movie starring Elizabeth Debicki. She's six foot three. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing Everest. Yay! So exciting. You've been talking about doing this for a long time. I have been thinking about doing this for well over a year, and I, like, debated Mm -hmm. at what time to do it. I was like, do I do it when it's cold outside? Right. Ah, I'm doing it now because episode 63, Miss Debicki, Mm -hmm. you're six foot three. (laughs) And it's cold outside. And it's cold outside. It really works. Catch us then. Catch us then. Bye.